I've been on lots of church weekends away, and I know the first evening is, is usually quite tough because coaches are delayed a little bit and people don't all arrive. And so I haven't really planned anything huge for this evening. I'm going to share my testimony in a few moments, um, but we're going to kind of dive into some teaching uh, tomorrow and tonight we can just sing God praise and give him the praise that he deserves. And um, I was sharing with uh, the, the staff team on Wednesday as we were praying for the weekend. Um, I knew what Joshy would be like as soon as he got here. Um, all of the shyness would go and he would be running around like a headless chicken and make friends immediately uh, because kids at seven years old are so adaptable. Um, I want to give every adult in here permission. If you see him with one of those sugar, um, you know, the paper sugar things, and he's going like that, can you please stop him? Um, because he will, he has been known to do that. Um, but, but anyway, I was, I was thinking on, 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 uh, on Wednesday morning about the kids running around and how quick they are to become best friends. Okay, sometimes there's a few strops as well, but they become best friends like that. And he's already made loads of new best friends. And um, my prayer is that us as adults, um, and slightly older kids as well, we'd be like the little kids this weekend. Um, I know that I'm coming as an outsider, and I hope that I'm going to go from being a stranger to a friend very quickly. But I also know in a church this size, um, some of you will have like, really strong friends, but there'll also be people here even that you've maybe never even spoken to before. And so be a little kid with that person and go up to them, give them a high five or something or say, you're it, and run off. Um, whatever it is. <laughs> Let's grow deeper this weekend, friends. Um, uh, as, as I mentioned, um, I don't have a huge amount planned for tonight. Um, I just thought I'd give you a quick intro of what we're doing this, this over the next few days. Um, had I been here a bit longer, I would have loved to have, have used the weekend to share something on church vision um, and, you know, we would have been thinking and praying about, Lord, what's this vision for the next part of the journey that you're taking us on? But obviously, having only been in here a week, I think it's um, probably not the right thing for me to do and uh, just to sit back and kind of watch you. But obviously, whenever we're thinking about vision, you might think of that verse in Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, my people cast off restraint. And believe me, by not addressing vision, I am no, by no means giving you the right to, to, to kind of cast off restraint and go and commit all of those sins that you, that you wanted to commit and you haven't had the chance. So that's not what I'm suggesting in any way, shape or form. Um, and uh, I'm going to be talking about values rather than vision. But if we're tapping into God's big vision for us, it's always going to be to become more like Jesus. Um, so if... If you're thinking, Lord, what's your vision for my life? Ask those straightforward questions. Do I look like Jesus? Do I sound like Jesus? Do I smell like Jesus? Am I the aroma of Christ uh, to the world? I mean, that will keep you going until we come up with um, a new church vision. Um, but we're going to be thinking about values uh, this weekend. And I think it's really important for us as Christians to kind of come back to the fundamentals. Like, what are we about as Christians as individuals, but also what are we about as a body, as the church? And so um, just to give you a bit of a flavor for the sessions, the first session tomorrow is a bit of a mammoth session, um, and it's split into two. So coffee's in the middle, but I think it's, it's like a two and a half hour allocated slot. Now, 
I'm not going to be speaking for two and a half hours. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. Um, lots of that's going to be um, worship, and we're going to be praying together. But in the first um, half of that slot, I want to tap into guidance, and I want us to simply ask that question of ourselves, am I submitting to God's guidance? Or perhaps have I put myself in the driving seat? You know, Just asking that simple question, God, I'm yours. Are you guiding me? And this weekend is just that perfect opportunity to address just a simple, straightforward question as a Christian. Lord, are you the Lord of my life? And we'll be thinking about word and spirit. How important is the Bible to us? Jesus, the word of God, seriously treasured the word of God. Do we treasure it like him? But word and spirit, we'll be asking the question, do we really, really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? I mean, quite a charismatic church here. and We talk a lot about the Spirit, but do we actually believe in the power of the Spirit at work in our lives? The things that you're trying to break free from, the, the sins that keep on popping up. And you're like, Lord, I've battled for this for so long. Well, again, this weekend provides you that opportunity to say, actually, you can rise somebody from death to life, raise somebody from death to life. You can <laughs> give me victory over this little sin in my life. And then we'll, we'll end that first session with thinking about the church, have coffee, we'll chat amongst ourselves a little bit, and then we'll come back in, and in that second half of the, the session tomorrow morning, we're going to be thinking about church unity. And as I said, my prayer is that we'd be like little kids, and we'd just be running up to one another, high-fiving, saying, tag, you're it, and, and running off. And um, we'd just go really deep. It's kind of like um, uh, a David Attenborough show on Fast Forward. Like, um, I love watching nature programs where you just see something grow in Fast Forward. And that's what a church weekend can do for your own spiritual life, but also for the unity of a church body. And then there's going to be loads of fun and games tomorrow. Uh, we'll come back in the evening for the second session. And we're going to be not so much thinking about ourselves, our church, but who we are to Peckham outside our church walls. And there's loads of things that All Saints are doing if we were to think more widely in terms of mission. Um, loads and loads of things. But we're going to be quite specific and we're going to talk about evangelism. And we're going to have that question which you had in your church profile, which I thought was an amazing question when I was applying for the post. Would it make any difference to Peckham if all saints weren't here? And we'd be thinking about that question through the lens of our evangelism. And then the last session uh, on the Sunday morning is um, going to be more like, a, I guess, a church sermon. And this being Coronation Weekend, um, going to be using the coronation, if you like, down here on earth as a springboard to get our focus up to the king of heaven. And I've watched the YouTube services, by the way, so I know that King Charles III, as a prince, he visited all saints. He visited, but King Jesus lives with us. And that's what we've got to remember this weekend. So that's, that's where we're going. Um, so I said I'd share my testimony, and then I think after that, we can just um, have a, a time of prayer. I know there's prayer later on in the evening. A time of prayer, and then um, have a bit more worship. That's cool. Um, so, um, as I share my testimony, it's always worth thinking about your own testimony, your own story, and how you came to know the Lord. 
Um, for me, um, although I didn't kind of turn to Christ until I was 17, I start by looking back at the seeds of his grace in my life, which I, I've, I've noticed looking back. And um, it's really, really precious to think about your life, um, I guess linearly, and just see how he was at work and how all those links in the chain uh, add up. And I remember when I was about five, probably one of my earliest memories, I'm sure I have a few earlier than that, but I used to be scared, witless about sleeping. Uh, I'm not a great sleeper now. Uh, the name Gregory apparently means to stay awake. <laughs> so, um, but um, I used to be so scared about sleep because it, it meant the end of the day. It meant like the end of relationships. I, in a weird way, it, it kind of felt a bit like death, um, the end. And on numerous occasions, my mum would put me on her knee and uh, almost rocked me to sleep, and she'd be saying, don't worry, Greg. Don't worry about sleep. Don't worry about death. God has a place for you reserved in heaven. And uh, my mum's faith at the time was somewhat lacking, but I remember that. And I think God in his goodness was just somewhere in the, in the periphery, and he wouldn't let me forget that um, later on in life. Anyway, um, growing up, I would have called myself a Christian, uh, but I realized that I wasn't. And it got to the, the, the age of 17, and uh, a friend at school invited me to a little kind of voluntary Christian meeting. And I had absolutely no intention of going to this meeting. Um, at the time, as a 17-year-old, um, I played a lot of rugby, and I kind of chased the rugby lifestyle. Um, so I was hopeful in getting a, a trophy girlfriend at school, wasn't very good at that. Um, uh, I was trying to be a lad and, and, and drink more than the next person and have a reputation of being able to, you know, consume large amounts of booze and it not having an effect on me. It did have, <laughs> on every occasion, an effect on me. Um, but that was my life. And, you know, I look back and think, how, how unadventurous that was uh, now knowing Jesus but it was just conformity that was what I lived for uh, anyway this this friend invited me along to the Christian meeting and I thought if I go along to that then that's gonna kind of challenge how I'm seen in in the rugby um, environment um, he said there'd be free donuts that was the thing that got me there at first meeting he said free donuts Greg you're keen aren't you it's like yeah I am actually with the donuts and I went and I made the most of the donuts. I really did. <laughs> they were jam, jam donuts, and I had about five. Um, gluttony is a problem as well. Uh, but in that meeting, I guess for the first time in my life, I heard the name of Jesus, and I heard him with adult ears. And the next week, my friend invited me back again. He said, there's, there's donuts, Greg. I said, I don't need the donuts. I've heard about this man called Jesus, and I found him so compelling. I wanted to go back. And you see, at the time, I guess, as a 17-year-old, you're thinking about life, what you want to do with life, who you can look up to. And I was desperately looking for and hopeful of finding a leader that I could, that was honorable in every way, that I could truly look up to. And I'd looked up to some of my rugby coaches and captains, and then, because they were in that lifestyle, they'd go and do something. And even though I was, 
you know, following them, I thought, no, that's not cool. It's just a bit kind of dirty. And then, like, politically, obviously, this is a big, big weekend for certain parties, not such a good weekend for <laughs> others. Um, but you look at political leaders and you think, yeah, okay, I can, oh, no. You know, they let me down there. And then there was Jesus. And it's like every facet of his very being was perfect. And I just remember those, those first few weeks. I just went back. It wasn't because of the donuts. I just kept on going back. So I just found him so compelling. Every word that came from his mouth, I wanted to lap up. And I wanted him to keep on speaking. And I wish that those meetings would have gone on into the early hours of the evening, but they had to stop. And in him, I'd found a leader that I could truly trust, who wouldn't let me down. And it was a few months later, I, I went back to my room, got down on my knees, and I said, God, Father, I'm sorry. Are these the words? I have been such a muppet. All this time, you've been there for me. All this time, you've been offering me life in all of its fullness. And the amount of times I must have heard about Jesus' death on the cross and just walked through life whistling, as it were. And yet now I want to give my life to you. And best day, best day ever. Best day ever. And it was a talk, you know, on the, on the cross. I remember the, the talk. It was at the end of Mark's Gospel. And uh, I remember the preacher saying, um, the camera lens in the gospel is, is on, on Jesus, on his face. He's been hanging there for three hours. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the narrator changes the camera angle and he fixates on this curtain in the temple. And you're like, why are you moving the camera from Jesus, like the heart of this story, this is the climax. Why are you moving it to the curtain in the temple? Like, how dull, how boring. You need to learn some lessons on filmmaking because you got it wrong. But obviously the preacher went on to say that curtain is to separate the people from God's presence. And as Jesus dies on the cross, the curtain, you know the words, it was torn from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. There weren't some priests kind of yanking at the bottom of the curtain trying to rip it from top to bottom, i.e. God doing the, the tearing. And I remember the preacher preaching, and he says, as that curtain's torn, it's as though Jesus has his arms wide open on the cross, not just pinned there, but they're there for a purpose, wide open, and he's saying, come home. Right now, you can come into my presence. Come home. And that was what got it for me, friends. Just the, the, the permeating voice of God through a random preacher. <laughs> Who knows what could happen this weekend? Really exciting. The power of his word. The spirit uses the word and just gets right into our hearts. And not just our lives down here, but our eternities are changed. And then just to give you a little bit more of my story, and I guess this perhaps leads into me going into ministry. Um, I left school with this newfound faith, and I initially went down to Plymouth University to study architecture. And I played a lot of rugby. I was playing rugby at quite a high level. And unfortunately, I made the stupid mistake of 
getting involved in the rugby club before I'd got involved in the Christian Union. Obviously, being a new Christian, I didn't realize that there would be a Christian Union at the university, and so I didn't get involved straight away. And, and it was a shock to me to realize how luring temptation is and how quickly you can slip. And so I started getting involved again in the rugby lifestyle and very quickly started slipping. It was St. Patrick's Day, um, 2002, I think it was. And I'm in a Weatherspoons. And <laughs> I've got my Bible with me, and I've got a two-peter study guide. And I'm going to be going to church after this meal in Weatherspoons. My housemates know that I'm a Christian, two lads, but none of the rugby team does. I had forgotten that the rugby team were meeting in this Weatherspoons at the particular time that I was having a meal with my friends. I'm at the back of Weatherspoons into the pub come like 70 loutish thugs with their foam Guinness hats and like four-leaf clover foam hats and like foam hands and just causing chaos. But there I am with my mates and I've got a Bible and a two-peter study guide and for the first time I've got this kind of call it Christian shame, like I'm ashamed of what I'm holding and I'm scared that I'm going to have to walk past these guys and they might spot my Bible and I'm thinking, oh no, Greg, why? Oh, you've been so stupid, how could this, this happen? How did you forget? What are you going to do? Are you Are going to shove the Bible up your jumper and just kind of walk out? And as I'm having this kind of internal logic, I'm sure it's the spirit, but it just dawns on me Greg, you have been saved by the blood of Jesus. God, who created absolutely everything, who created each and every single rugby player who's come through the door. In fact, everybody in Weatherspoons right now, he's created all of them. He's the guy who, outside of time and space, steps into human history and died for you. Come on, Greg. He's worth this. <laughs> How could you be so fickle? Friends, I walked past the, the 70 rugby lads holding my Bible. <laughs> Probably a bit fanatic, but um, kind of waved my Bible. And they were like, Cushy, Cushy, hey, come to join us. Wait, what's that? Are you, are you working on St. Patrick? It's a Bible? Two Peter study guy? What, what, it's my first time I'd done any public speaking. And it wasn't just the rugby rugby group. It was Weatherspoons packed full of half-cut strangers. And, uh, and I said to them, guys, I am ashamed that it's got to this point. Like, you've known me for months. You don't know that I'm a Christian. From now on, you're going to see a change in the way I live. Jesus is my everything. I believe he lives. And I've surrendered my life to him. Now, I know some of you are going to find that weird. But for anybody else who wants to ask me questions, please do. I'm going to love you the same, but my lifestyle's just going to change. I got such a pump from that. Like, literally, that, that had been the biggest pump that I'd ever had so far in life, just doing that. And, um, you know, i have been in the gym a bit before then, but no pump had compared to that pump of um, just standing up for Jesus and proclaiming him. And I think it was from that point on, 
Um, I just had a taste for, for speaking publicly about him. Um, so, yeah, I'll share that with you. The story goes on. I met my beautiful wife, Ellie, I don't know, t- ten, 10 years later, something like that. And, um, and uh, you know you've met Jesse and Joshy. If you haven't, you will at some point this weekend. But um, before we start uh, singing again together, I thought it would be good for us to just to have a few moments of quiet and to think about your own story. Think about the seeds of grace in your story, which you might not necessarily have as a date where you came to the Lord, but actually you just recognize that he was at work in, 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 in subtle ways way before then. And to start with quietly, why don't you just praise God? And then maybe after a few moments, some of you might just want to raise your voices and praise God for the way he has saved you, set you apart as his beloved child. So just as the, uh, the worship team um, come back up, um, Ruth, as you were praying uh, just then, I, I, there was one name that I just wanted to include in my testimony. Um, Peter Farquhar. Um, he was an absolute legend in my school. He was an English teacher. I didn't do English. He never taught me. But when I came to the Lord, he was there in the room as a teacher and basically became a mentor to me. We prayed together. Um, he taught me... Um, that friendships don't have to be defined by age. Um, he gave me a love for reading. Um, sadly, he was murdered. Um, and uh, so it breaks my heart. I would love to see him and just to pray with him still. Uh, he was a man of such great faith. And um, not too long ago, I found um, in one of the, the books that he gave me, uh, in his terrible handwriting, a few words um, that he'd scribbled down from Sir Walter Riley. And, uh, and it says, When the grand 12 million jury of our sin and sinful fury gainst our souls black verdicts give, Christ pleads his death and then we live. Isn't that amazing? That's true of my friend Peter. This man of faith. And it'll be true of us if we're in Jesus.